She was sitting on a, a park bench feeding her newborn baby a bottle of formula. And she was sitting there enjoying the nice weather, the, the cool breeze of the air. When all of a sudden she looked up and she saw that other moms were looking at her out of the corner of their eye. Some were, were staring at her. And all of a sudden she was filled with that feeling. You know that feeling that you get when you feel like you're being judged? That, that panic and anxiety that takes over when you know you haven't lived up to somebody's expectations? That one where, where somebody looks at you and, and they find something wrong with you? That's the feeling she was feeling. And it, it, it took her over. She could feel it coursing through her blood, the anxiety. And so she put her head down and, and she said, don't, don't worry about what they're saying. Don't worry about what they're thinking. You can't control them. You can only control what you think about yourself. And yet, there was still a tinge of guilt in her heart. Because what they were thinking is somewhat what she was thinking. Am I giving my baby the best? Am I a failure of a mother? Am I giving my baby the best that my baby can have? And then, one of the moms walked over. And she said what they were all thinking. You know that it's better to give your baby breast milk than formula, right? And guess what that mom did? She lied. And she said, <clears throat> she said, oh, don't worry. It's breast milk in the bottle. It's not formula. What did that mom want? Acceptance. Acceptance. Approval. She wanted to not lack anything. She wanted to know that it wasn't her versus them, but she's on their same team. She wanted to know that there was nothing dividing them. In other words, she wanted peace, right? She wanted the peace of knowing that there's no uh, conflict, that there was no friction, that there was nothing that was causing dissonance in their relationship. That's what she wanted. She wanted peace. And isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want peace? Peace from the noise, from the chatter, from the pressures of society, from the responsibilities that we feel? Don't we want peace from that? Don't we want peace from the, the constant conflict that we inflict on our hearts? The, the conflict that, that says, I need to be better, I need to be stronger, I need to be a better parent, I need to be prettier, I need to be thinner, I need to be whatever the rest of the er is. We all want peace from that. We all want to know that we're not lacking. We all want to know that there's nothing that's dividing us from other people and that we lack nothing. And so how do we handle that? Generally, we try to alter our circumstances, right? In our situation, situations of life that we're in. We do try to get better. We do try to remove the barriers by lying. 
like that woman on the bench. We will do whatever we have to to bring peace, and yet, what do we find? Do any of us ever find lasting peace? No, because what happens? We do get better. We do get stronger. We do get prettier, thinner. We do become better parents, and, and, and what happens? It's not good enough. We need more. We need to be better, stronger, thinner, prettier than we've become. We need to fit in better than we have been. And so where does peace come from? Where does lasting peace come from? That's what we're going to talk about today. And it comes through the grace of God. And we're going to find that in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, as we continue in our series Grace Wins, it is a transition chapter. In Romans 1 through 4, Paul has been driving home the point that you are declared righteous. You are declared innocent in God's sight through faith. Through faith in Jesus as your Savior, you have been declared right with God. Do you know how many times Paul's mentioned uh, faith in the first four chapters of Romans? Anyone have a guess? 25 Good guess. 35 times. 35 times Paul says, by faith, in the first four chapters of Romans. Do you know how many times he, he says by faith from 5 through 8? Three times. You see, as Christians, what do we tend to do? We, we get those first four chapters, right? Because the Bible drives home by faith, by faith, by faith. We know that we're declared righteous with God. We know that our lives have been changed because we're going to heaven. But what about right now? What about life here on earth? How does this impact us on a day-to-day -day basis that we are right with God? This is chapter 5's transition. Because guess how many times Paul mentioned life in the first four chapters of Romans? Twice. Guess how many he mentions life in 5 through 8? 24. This is a huge transition. Paul's point is, now that I've driven home by faith, let's see how this impacts our life. And what we're going to see is justification impacts our life by bringing us peace. Paul begins in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's your first point this morning. Justification brings peace. Being declared righteous in God's sight brings you peace. When you think of peace, what do you think of? Generally, when I think of peace, I think of two, a, a war, and now there's peace between them because one side has beat the other, and they said, here are uh, the conditions for peace. We're friends now, so to speak, but we're going to go our own ways, and we're not going to attack each other anymore. And, and there's an aspect of peace, uh, of that to peace. But peace is, is really this idea of being whole, being sound, not lacking anything, that, that everything is as it's supposed to be. 
It's not you versus us. We're together. Because there's nothing blocking our relationship. That's peace. And Paul says, because you have been justified, declared righteous before God, you have peace with God. What was getting in our way of peace with God? Guilt, right? And what is guilt? Guilt, a lot of times, we think of just as a feeling, right? Oh, I feel guilty about this. I've done something and I feel guilt over it. Guilt is more than a feeling. Guilt is standing before a judge and the judge saying, I declare you guilty of what you've done. You have not lived up to the expectations. You have been found lacking. You aren't complete. You aren't whole. You are lacking in the innocence department. Now imagine standing before God. And God has a stack of evidence against you. And he starts flipping through that evidence. What does he see? I picture him sitting on his judgment seat and he's flipping through my pages and he says, wait a second. You weren't content? You, you, you were jealous? You were, you were envious? You were covetous of other people? Stephen, didn't, didn't you live in the 21st century? Didn't you live in America? in the 21st century, and you weren't content? Huh. He flips a few pages over. Wait, you had those thoughts about that person? Flips over a few more. Wait, you said that about me? You had those thoughts about me, your God? He closes up the evidence, puts it aside, and he looks at me, he looks at you, and he says, I declare you innocent. All this evidence right here, I declare you innocent. Why? Only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. His blood shed for you, took the punishment that you and I deserve, took that guilty verdict on Himself, and He took the punishment we deserve by dying for us on the cross. Now, we stand in peace with God. Peace from guilt. God looks at you and He says, you don't lack anything. God looks at you and He says, you are whole. You are complete. You are just like you're supposed to be to come into my presence because your guilt has been removed. I've removed all the barriers. You are at peace with me. If you don't have peace right now, if your heart isn't at peace, do you know why? It's because you're pursuing peace in all the wrong places. You're pursuing it in your career. You're pursuing it in your circumstances. You're pursuing it in your looks. You're pursuing it in career success. You're pursuing it in your parenting skills. You're pursuing it in validation on social media. You're pursuing it in all the wrong areas because peace only comes from God removing your guilt. That's where peace comes, from knowing that you stand in the presence of the holy, perfect God who's created everything and He looks at you and says, you lack nothing. We are good. You are innocent. Think of how freeing that is. 
You sit there feeding, that woman sitting there feeding her baby, she could look at all those people and say, okay, I lack nothing with my God, the God of this world whose opinion really matters. I don't lack anything. I, I can, I can uh, commit a very shameful public sin that I feel bad about, and I wish I didn't do it, but it turns out I did it. I, I can't take it back. And God looks at you and says, you're innocent. My heart's at peace because I'm at peace with my God. This is what justification does. Just, justification, God declaring you righteous through faith, brings you peace. Brings you peace. And not only does it bring you peace, but look at what Paul said. Through Jesus, whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You don't just pass by God's grace. You don't just pass through it and then He sends you out to go live more. No, you are constantly standing in God's undeserved and unconditional love for you. Because you have peace with God. Because your sins, the barrier that kept you from God has been removed. And Paul says this peace brings us hope of the glory of God. And we boast, Paul says, in the hope of of the glory of God. Very rarely in the Bible does it ever say to boast and brag. Uh, in fact, it, it says a lot of times the opposite. Be humble, right? But when we're talking about the glory of God, when we talk about the, the future prospect of being in God's presence forever, when we are going to stand in heaven, Paul says boast about it. Brag about it. You are going to be in God's presence because there's nothing that's keeping you from it because you are at peace with Him. And that peace, Paul says, brings us hope. And that's your second point. Justification brings hope. Here's what Paul says. We, we have hope even when everything in our life is going wrong. Not only is so, but we also glory in our sufferings. How about that? When have you heard that? Just about never, right? Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. When we use the word hope, how do we often use it? Almost like a wish, right? Uh, I, I hope this happens. I, I, I'm wishing that this would take place. That's not what the Bible means when it talks about hope. Uh, the, wor the word hope in, in the Bible means an eager expectation. We, we, we are longing for it. We have the hope. We're, we're eagerly expecting it to happen because we know it's going to happen. And so with that in mind, read this again. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character an eager expectation. An eager expectation does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because you have peace with God, because you've been declared innocent in His sight, we have an eager expectation. An eager expectation of knowing that even when everything is falling apart, heaven waits for us. And that day there will be no sorrow, no pain, no suffering anymore. Think of what this means. Imagine for a second that you don't have Jesus in your life and you are trying to be the best person that you can be and, and you are living 
and, and all of a sudden, suffering comes into your life. Some trial, some tribulation, some affliction comes into your life. What questions are you asking yourself? Why is this happening to me? Why has karma bitten me, so to speak, when I've been such a good person? Good things happen to good people. Why is, why is a bad thing happening to me when I've been so good? I don't see any point in this. And then depending on the suffering, you can lose hope, you can despair, right? Because guess what? If you don't know Jesus, you don't know what's going to happen next. And when you don't know what's going to happen next, that causes a lot of hopelessness, a lot of despair, and it causes a lot uh, of uh, conflict in your heart, anxiety. But now, be you. Imagine having Jesus in your life. Now, a suffering happens, uh, an affliction, a trial, and all of a sudden, there's a purpose to it. And for a Christian, suffering always has a purpose. And what is the ultimate purpose? It's to produce hope. It's to produce an eager expectation of, I can't wait for heaven. Because then, all of this is going to be done. And then I'm truly going to be at peace because there's going to be no conflict anymore. I've told you this story before, but I, I need to share it again because it just it, it fits so well and it illustrates my point. I did my internship in Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston. And uh, when I got there, there was a man that I met named Mike. And Mike had been going to church there for about a year before I got there. Mike started coming to church because he got into a, a point in his life when everything was going wrong and he needed God's help. The only thing is, he didn't really know God. He just knew that there was a God out there and he was at a point in his life where he needed that God's help. And so he stumbled into church looking for help from this God. And over the course of, of the next six or seven years, Mike's faith in Jesus as his Savior uh, grew a ton. And when I was there, I was able to take him through a class called Bible 101. That's, that's our starting point class. That's what they call it. A year and a half ago, Mike was diagnosed with liver cancer. And he died just a, a few months later. Two weeks before he died, he told his pastor, Pastor, if this would have happened to me six years ago, all I'd be thinking about is how awful hell's going to be. But now all I keep thinking about is how amazing heaven will be. That is hope. That is eager expectation. That is what you and I have. Why? Because you have peace with God. You have peace with God. Because you know that when you die, God is going to, you're going to stand at the gate and God's going to say, Come on in. You lack nothing. You are declared righteous. You are innocent. We are at peace. There's nothing keeping us from having a relationship. All the barriers have been removed. You're good. Come on in. That's why you have hope. That's why you have peace. And Paul says that it's because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But Paul wants you to know just how much God loves you. So check out this next paragraph. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Notice the words that Paul uses to describe us before we were declared righteous by faith in Jesus. Powerless. We were unable to change our status before God. Unable to do anything to get in a good relationship with Him. We were uh, ungodly. We didn't do the things God wanted us to do. We did the exact opposite of what God wanted us to do. And we were sinners. And yet, while we were in this status, what did God do? He loved us. And He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for us. While we were powerless, ungodly, and sinners, God sent Jesus to remove all of that from us. To remove those names from us so that we are no longer ungodly, no longer sinners, no longer powerless. Instead, God looks at us and He says, You're innocent. You're no longer a sinner. But you're a saint. You're holy. You're perfect. You're no longer ungodly. You're godly. In fact, you're my child. My blood-bought child. You're no longer powerless. You have the power to enter heaven because Jesus has given you that power because you are righteous in His sight. This is how much God loves us. And Paul says, if God loved you so much then, how much more now that He's declared you righteous in His sight? Paul closes up by saying this, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Not only, not only has God declared you innocent, God says, we're now friends. There's a story of Abraham Lincoln when he was president, and it was during the Civil War, when one of his soldiers fled. He left. Didn't want to go fight, and and so he fled. He was captured and brought back to Abraham Lincoln, and he was getting ready to to stand in front of his president, and all of Abraham Lincoln's aides said, you have to condemn this man and make make a statement to the rest of the soldiers. And Abraham Lincoln said, No, today I'm going to be that man's friend. That man came and stood in in Abraham Lincoln's presence, and Abraham Lincoln said, I forgive you. All All of what you've done has been removed. All the barriers have been removed. We can be friends. And he changed that man's status from a condemned soldier to the president's friend. What is God telling you in this verse right here? that you were his enemy, and that you were standing condemned, and yet God said, I change your status. No longer are you my enemy. I've removed all of the barriers to call you my enemy through my son Jesus, through the death of his son, and we are now friends. We are now friends. We've been reconciled. And so here's the point for today. How do you find peace? Peace comes from your status not your circumstances. Peace comes from your status, not your circumstances. 
We can try as hard as we want to find peace in being prettier, in being funnier, in being uh, thinner, in being a better parent, in being more successful. We're never going to find it. The way that peace comes is from your status and what God says about you. And what does He say about you? You're my blood-bought child. You're my friend. I've removed every barrier. We are at peace. That's how you find peace and hope in this life. And so, i got a challenge for you this week. Here's two. Number one, this week, identify where you're trying to find peace. Where is it in life that you're trying to find peace in your circumstances? And then number two, how can you pursue your relationship with Jesus more? What commitments do you have to make? What routines do you have to make? Uh, what do you have to do to grow in this status? Because it's only in this status that you will find peace and that you will find hope. God bless you this week as you do those things. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you that you have removed every barrier in our relationship with God and that now you consider us your friends. We thank you for removing our sin and we thank you for justifying us, declaring us innocent in your sight. We ask that uh, you help us to grow in this peace that can only come from our status and to continue to give us the hope of eternal life, the eager expectation that one day all of this will end, all of the suffering, all of the trials, and we will see you face to face and uh, you will let us into your kingdom because you have declared us innocent in your sight. We ask all this in your name. Amen.